This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We've been looking at overflow, cultivating a generous spirit, and just a testimony this morning of what generosity and that giving uh, you have a giving nature on the inside of you because you have the nature of God. You have a new nature. And it's within us to want to bless and, and to give. But one thing that we've got to do is to give to the gospel. We've got to see this word, this message go out and cover the earth. Because heaven and hell is a reality. How many are aware of that? And we have a job to do. And I'm just thankful that we can give to God, and He gives us back more than we give Him. This is not in your notes, but uh, this morning the Lord ministered to me, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Very familiar verse to us, but says, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life, so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to, to your life. We've been talking about first fruits, devoted things, first things, the tithe. All these things are really about lordship, giving God honor what He is due because He is first. He is number one. He is our everything. He deserves all the honor and all the glory, all the praise. And, and we've been looking how God blessed those that brought the first fruits, that brought the first to Him. And I, I think about even in this congregation, in this family, those that have come against uh, different things and challenges, which even if you're a tither, there will be challenges. And all the tithers said, amen. There's still challenges. I'm not saying everything will be perfect for you. Let me help you with that one. You will not have perfection until you see him face to face. Until we leave this place, you will not have perfection. So stop looking for it here. You're not going to find it. Just look in the mirror. That was a low blow. Never mind. The mirror... <laughs> The mirror just not, it's just not good enough to show the beauty that you possess. Okay. But I think about the tithers. I think about Michael Guyton, who just got his new job. <laughs> but he's faithful to tithe him and Kim without a job. And what does God do? He brings a job. There's something about the tither that God has your back. There's assurance in you. There's something about when I tithe, it teaches me to put him first. It's always a reminder. Every time I get paid or money comes in, in any shape, any form, the first 10%, I'm going to give honor to God. And it teaches me. It helps you budget. You take on tithing, you become a budgeter. But that's good stewardship. We should be those that have a budget. 
We should be those that keep away from debt. We should be those that are wise with our finances. In Hebrews 11.6, but that first verse I talked about, it's our choice to be blessed or have curses. Choose life. Have me in here say, I'm choosing life and I'm choosing the blessing. That's all there is to it. I choose that. We get what we choose, so I choose that. <laughs> and God doesn't need your money. You need to be blessed. We need to be blessed. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God's a rewarder. He's a good father. You know what a good father does? He rewards. And that's what really sets him different than just religion. You know, religion is man reaching up to, to God. But the gospel is God reached down to us and snatched us up to where he is in Christ at the right hand of God the Father. But God says, even though you're righteous, I want your performance or your actions to line up with what I did on the inside of your spirit. I want you to live righteous. I want your behavior to demonstrate and represent me in the earth. I want your light to shine. I want you to be one who walks with me. That's what the Lord wants. He's a rewarder. But see, he's just a taskmaster without the rewards. Rewards reveals that he's a father. That he wants to reward us. And where, because we have options, there's, there's curses, there's blessings. Because we have options, he's able to bless. If there was no options, he could not reward. But because there's options, he can reward when we make the right choice. He's a good, good father. And he wants to reward us. He wants us to. And, and Paul said, you know, there's coming the day that our life will be piled up. Your actions, what you did for God. And this pile is wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, and precious stones. It's all piled up. And God's going to take a match and light it. And what remains, you're rewarded for. You know what remains? All the things that you did that were honorable to God. All the things that you did where you gave Him lordship. All the things that you did for someone else that you gave a cup of water. When you gave your tithe and your offering and you said that you're Lord of all, those are your gold and silver and precious stones. When you reached out and you prayed for that one that was desperate and was hurting, God said, there's some gold I'm putting in your stack. And when you get to heaven, he's going to light the match. And what's going to remain is all those things that you did for him. And then he's going to turn around and give you so much more than you did in that pile. He said, I'm going to reward you for that. I'm going to reward you and it's going to last for all eternity. It's an eternal reward forever. 
So the things that you do on this earth, those things where you put him first, are eternally rewarded. I'm telling you, it's better than anything that this earth can experience. It's better than any award ceremony or celebrity that gets some kind of reward, some little statue of something. Let me tell you something so much better. And that's the reward of God the Father that says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the reward I want. What about you? Doesn't mean that you're perfect in this thing no one is but he's made provision when you mess up aren't you glad that there's still blood available there's cleansing for your soul for your emotions that you can come to God the father anytime 24 7 why because he knew you messed up 24 7 it can happen to you anytime he said well come on come on boldly I have some cleansing for you because I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. And it goes beyond anything that you even have seen. But I'll show it and I'll reveal it to you. That's the God that we serve. He's a rewarder. When you do the righteous thing, even though when Pastor Rob was preaching about doing the hard things, let me tell you, when you do the hard thing, the righteous thing for God, he rewards that. And the reward, you will laugh with joy and celebration when you think about the sacrifice that you thought it was. When you see the reward, you go, oh my goodness, whoo, doggy. <laughs> you go, man, wow, whoo. You don't think there's going to be some celebration in heaven over those righteous things that you do. Reward is determined by what I do with what I have been given. I got to thinking about this, that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says that we're to lay down our lives. It says lay down your bodies, but when you stay it out, it means your, whole, your life. All your faculties, your whole life. When you lay down your life as a living sacrifice. Our life is to show that he's first. Our life is to be a sacrifice unto him. In John chapter 10 verse 10 it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The enemy came in order to do, and he came in this order to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to steal the word of God. He wants to steal the word from you. Then he came to kill. It's interesting what this word kill means in the Greek. It doesn't mean murder. It's a mean that. It's a Greek word, T-H-U-O, and it means to offer or sacrifice first fruits to a god. The enemy is out to kill your first fruits offering. He's out to kill your connection to God and putting him first. Isn't that interesting? He steals the word of God from you. Then he's out to steal your faith. That God is the, the number one. That he is the Lord of everything. He's the master of everything. He's have to kill your faith and get you in fear. And then he can destroy the blessing of God in your life. He can 
cause the promises of God to pass you by. The enemy has a road. He has a path that he takes. That's the reason he wants to keep you from the Bible, from reading the Word of God. He wants to keep you from that. He wants to get you so busy because he wants to kill. He wants to take away what is due your God, and that's the first fruits, your tithe. It's more than money. It's a heart issue. It's your heart. God is extremely, extremely wealthy. He's after your heart. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed. Same word is used there. Christ was our first fruits offering for us. So, in seeing it, it's talking about Jesus there. You see the significance, see the importance, see the, the value, the reference that, that God puts on first, first fruits. God our Father gave His Son as His first fruits offering to receive you and me into the family. See, the believer that you're sitting next to, that, that is a first fruits result of the cross. The Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you is a first fruits benefit of the cross and the price that was paid for us. So let me read to you John 10, 10 again. It says, The thief does not come except to steal the word of God and to kill the sacrifice of your first fruits, to destroy the blessing of God in your life. He wants to take that hope and that faith and confidence that you have in, in God. And he doesn't want you walking in the promise or the provision of God. You might just get contagious if you do. <laughs> you might just point the way to Jesus to someone around you. And we see this in Adam's life in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Now the word tend here means to guard, to keep. It meant to cultivate. It meant to harvest. All these things. Adam had a job, and that job was to take care of the garden. And that, that was what he was to do. Can you imagine tremendous fruit that was in this, this garden. So all the trees, they're good to, to look at and they're good for food. So all this amazing fruit and God watered the garden. He had a, a mist come up on the earth and it watered everything. But let me tell you, if the fruit hit the ground, it was going to rot. But Adam had a job. He had to pick it. He had to harvest it. He had a job to do. I mean, now that works a blessing. And he's harvesting all this, but there's one tree. You remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? God said, don't eat of that tree. Because when you eat of that tree, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And we know that was spiritual death. So here comes the serpent and comes to 
to Eve. And the Bible says that Eve was deceived. And Eve says, we can't touch this fruit. We can't touch this fruit. Because God said not to. And the devil tricked her. And she ate of the tree. Now here's where we miss it. Adam was commanded to harvest the entire garden. That was not true. That they weren't not to touch that fruit from the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was to harvest every tree in the garden, including the tree, the fruit, from the knowledge of good and evil. Now what was he to do with that? He wasn't to eat it. He was to present it to God as his first fruits. God started this in the beginning. And it always speaks that he's the owner. We may be born in his likeness, but I have news for you, we'll never be God. He's the life source on the inside of us, but he's still God. And when billion, 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 trillion years from now, we will still worship him as God. And he had this tree. But the word of God was stolen from Eve. It says Adam was not deceived. Adam took of the fruit. He was there with Eve. And he didn't stop her. He didn't say what God had actually said. And they took and they ate of the first fruits. Well, what happened? Spiritual death. And they lost their blessing. They were kicked out of the garden. And all of a sudden, they have to work by the sweat of the brow. There's thorns. The ground is, is cursed. There's trouble in childbirth. And all these things happen because the enemy came and stole the word of God. He killed the sacrifice of the first fruits, and he destroyed the blessing of God in their life. And you can see it over in Scripture. That's what the enemy is out to do. He wants to steal your walk, the Lord. So Adam, his original sin was stealing from God what belonged to him. Then Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, this at the end of the uh, Old Testament. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why your descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return? We've never gone away. Should people cheat God, yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we cheat? ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so that there will be enough food in my temple. That's, you bring it to your local church. If you do, says the Lord... 
of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out blessings so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Say test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fail, fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed for your land will be uh, such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So God is saying, I am the Lord and I change not. I haven't changed from the beginning and I'm not changing now. The same sin that Adam that was dealt with at the beginning is the same sin being addressed at the end of the Old Testament. The Old Testament started with this particular issue and it ends with the same issue. He said, return unto me. He's not talking about uh, salvation, even though there's other places in the Bible where he talks about, it is talking about salvation, return to me. This is talking about Return to me what belongs to me and I will return to you the blessing that's been stolen from you. I will return to you what I want to give you, what I have in my heart to give you. I will return it to you and that's the blessing of giving God his honor and his due as number one. And God's blessing will overtake you. God's blessing is so much bigger than just money. It goes into every facet of your life. The blessing of the Lord. So we see here that this thing ends the same way really it began. He said, will you return back? Because he wants to overflow us with his blessing, his favor, his grace. Now looking at Jude chapter 11... Verse 11, since there's just one chapter. If you're turning to Jude chapter 11, sorry. Verse 11, Woe to them, for they've gone in the way of Cain, and have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So this tells us it's a warning not to go in the way of Cain. So we need to see what is the way of Cain, so in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, Now Adam knew Eve's wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And, and you read on that he actually found his brother. And, well, God confronts him, and he says, what happened? Well, first he kills his brother. Let me say Cain kills Abel. And then God confronts him and says, where's your brother? Of course, God knew where he was. He said, am I my brother's keeper? But we see here, and I used to think years ago when I read this, I thought, well, 
the reason that Cain's offering was not accepted because there wasn't blood. So maybe it's better to be a rancher instead of a farmer. But that doesn't make sense. What was it? Why was Cain's offering not acceptable? And Abel's was. Well, you see here, it says that Cain, in the process of time, that's really time for harvest, brought an offering. He brings an offering, but it was not first fruits. In other words, he had already partaken of the harvest. He partook of the first, and then he gave to God what was left over. And God says, this isn't acceptable. He couldn't respect it. Abel comes with what? His firstborn. What did we learn about firstborn? That's, that's like a first fruits. That's like a tithe. That's like devoted things to, to the Lord. He brought the first. So Abel's, it was nothing to do with blood. It was first fruits. And Cain is all upset. And God, you know, he, he tells him, said, what are you upset about? If you would, had done as you were as you knew to do, there wouldn't be a problem. He's given him, he gives him a chance later on to repent. But he's angry. Why is he so angry? Now, first of all, the sin of Cain is the same as his father's, Adam. The sin of not bringing first fruits, honoring God. Where now, Cain and Abel, if they didn't receive the same instruction about this, it'd be wrong for God to hold them to the same standard. But Adam had taught them, probably it was Adam, had taught them, he had had some experience along those lines, and he taught them, you bring the first. But Cain did not. So he, the sin of Cain was not bringing the first fruits to God. But the way was the way of Cain. The way of Cain. Because he got angry. He was so upset. He fully expected God to accept his offering. Or it had been very prideful and very arrogant of him to be otherwise. I believe that he fully expected God to receive his offering. The way of Cain is when we take the word of God and we redefine it to the way we like it. He's probably thinking, well, look, I'm giving the effort here. I'm, you know, come on, God. I know you said first fruits, but you know, these are, look at this, it's pretty good fruit here. It's good stuff. And God said, no, I can't take it. He can't because he's not second. He, he's first. <laughs> he is God. 
So the way of Cain is really a self-deceiving deception. And, and we can see it. You can see it in the Christian community. There's many Christians say, I don't need a church. But to, to be a part of a church when the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. Be planted in the house of the Lord. Be a part. But see, they redefine it and say, well, I don't need a church. I don't need to be a part of church. After all, there's people there. And you know people. You know people. I, I love people. And you love people. And what an awesome family. Truth is, we need a family. But the, the scriptures, they've redefined it. Or, I'm going to stop giving because it's hard times. That's redefining. He didn't say, give your tithe except when it's tough. He didn't say that. That's when it's the, the time you buckle down and say, no, I'm going to do it. You may even plant a seed at the hardest times. That's what we heard this morning. That's what the Lord has had me do several times. I'm in a hard place. I'm hurting. And he says, plant a seed. Self, self-deception. You know the hardest deception is self-deception because you don't know you're deceived? But we have to hear the word. We have to keep hearing the word. We have people around us. They encourage us and speak the word to us and life to us. And they're to hear our, what we're speaking from our heart and we listen to their heart. We need each other. Redefining what is, is obviously the instruction of the Lord. The Bible says not to have strife in your house. Opens the door to every evil work. But we redefine it and say, oh, we just, it's just one little argument every day. It's, it's pretty much over in a couple hours and making up is fun to do. So what the Word says. You need to deal with that. Amen? Our character doesn't matter. There's a grace of God. Hallelujah. You're in self-deception. The Word talks about character. The Word talks about living the life that brings Him glory. Oh, preaching good this morning. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> in verse 6 says so the Lord said to Cain why are you angry why has your countenance fallen if you do well will you not be accepted if you do not do well sin lies at the door and its desire is for you but you should rule over it and we know that the sin that lied at the door was actually jealousy or um, against his own brother. And we see the first murder. And Cain kills his own brother.
Cain thinks he will be blessed even though he doesn't follow God's instructions. That's the way of Cain. Go back to Jude, uh, verse 11. Woe to them, for they've gone in the way of Cain and run greedily in the era of Balaam for a prophet, perish in the rebellion of Korah. Verse 12, these are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. So Jude is speaking here about, about spots. And you can find, and when you go through scriptures, you found out that spots is deception. In 2 Peter um, chapter 2, verse 12, it talks about spots and blemishes and talks about these are self-deceived. They're, they're entrapped in their own self-deception. That's the reason when you go before the Lord, you open your heart. Pray before you read the Word. Say, God, my heart is open. I want to hear from you. The truth is, he's speaking. His, his word is alive. It's speaking to us. And we're to be speaking to the Lord. But you open your heart. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, but the word was God. I need to talk with Jesus. You know God sees the Bible. That's him. That's Jesus. That's, that's him, the word. I need a word from God. Have you been in the Bible lately? What's a Bible, Pastor? Well, it's that thing. It's a bestseller. You don't have one? Most people have three or four. Open it up and pray. Lord, speak to me today. And he'll speak. And then you just do what he says. That's the way to keep from self-deception. It's easy to get deceived. And then pride puffs up and you think you know more than anyone else. So he speaks about these spots, and he talks about them, and I'm not going to get into uh, all these, but the greed of Balaam, I mean, is that not in the earth? Corporate greed, personal greed. Saw a thing about a doctor that was given surgeries that people didn't need, making multi-million dollars, and uh, people were getting surgeries they did not need. He's, he's going to jail, you know, going to prison now, but. Uh, financial institutions, greed, um, you just about name it, you know, it, it's out there. People actually taking advantage of others. The rebellion, the Akora, it's this rebellion against authority. You can uh, read it, it's over there in numbers, but the earth, they were talking against uh, uh, Moses and Aaron. The earth opened up and swallowed them. And you see rebellion against authority everywhere. In the earth. It's self-deception. When you see that, they're self-deceived. But we're not to be like that. We're to have our eyes open 
and see the truth. We can't redefine what's acceptable to God. So well, I don't have the I don't have to give tithes. I don't have to give offerings. I don't I don't need to. I don't have to. You're self in self deception. I'm not my brother's keeper. You know, the truth is, we are. We're to be looking out for those around us. Not just for the the family of God. What about those unbelievers that you're around? Are we praying for them? Are we releasing life to them? Just loving them? Eternity is a long time. We have a mission. It's to bring them in. Every time that you give to God that 10%, you're helping the gospel go out. As God said, I want him to meet in my house. He wants it provided for. But when you provide for God's house, he provides for your house. It's a matter of the heart. And I've got at the end of this, hmm, I don't know why the list didn't come up on mine, but there it is. Father God is looking to reward me. Think about this. But I must diligently seek Him. How many times... Are we looking for the reward? We're looking for the blessing of God, but we're not diligently seeking Him. Well, the way of Cain. You know, I know God's going to bless me. I haven't talked to Him in a couple months. I haven't read the Word in three months. But I know the blessing of God's here. (laughs) Say, diligently seek Him. The enemy comes to steal the word of God from me, allowing him to kill my faith and destroy my blessings. God doesn't need my money. He needs my faith to allow him to bless me. The benefits of putting God first financially far exceed financial blessing. God invites me to test his promises concerning tithing while it is the ultimate heart test for me. That's something Robert Morris had said in in The Blessed Life. And I got to thinking about it. We're testing, we're testing God. He said test him. But see, everything's a test for, for us. Will we do the word of God or not? So I call it the test of life. Will you do the word or not? Will you trust him or not? I can remember beginning to tithe, and it was it was difficult. And if anybody didn't have it to give, it it was us. And I took a stand and said, look, we're going to tithe. Ellie and I were in complete agreement, and we're going to tithe first. Well, the lights at the Thomas' home went out. 
utility bill was not paid. But we were tithers. We were rejoicing in the dark. Next day I went to work from a cold shower and at a public utility those that work in the public sector know this is a miracle of God I received the next day a $200 a month raise. It wasn't time for it. I wasn't in line for it. Shouldn't have happened, but it did. We were able to turn around and, and, and money came in for the electric, for the bill. So I'm at work and had to go through the own place I work and get the utilities turned back on. Paid the price. Ever since then, they've been on. Now, I don't believe God wants you to go through that. I don't think you have to. I think that was me. I think that was on me. But I have seen his provision over and over since then. I've seen him come through and I trust him completely. And you could not pay me not to tithe now. You could not pay me not to put him first. I tell you what's really hard is not putting him first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your provision, your supply. And I want to give you an opportunity today to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. If you never accepted him as Lord, he welcomes you, he loves you. And let me say this, and I need to say this every time. If you don't tithe, God still loves you. You're still part of the family. It used to be I wouldn't teach his stuff when I first started preaching. So I had seen some things I thought was uh, it was abuse in, the, in this area, and I just wouldn't. But one day the Lord got on to me, and he said, you're robbing me of a chance, an opportunity to bless my family. So you said you teach it, you minister it. So I started doing that. And I, I felt it's been three years. I actually, this morning in prayer, felt like I needed to apologize to the church for taking three years. Because this needs to be hit more, probably once a year at least, to remind us. Because you tithe in faith. And it's easy to get complacent and not worship the Lord if you're tithe and you're giving. And then you can stand on the blessing of the tither that God's going to provide for you. You're looking for a job and you're a tither, God's going to provide. He's going to supply. He will never, ever fail you. You can put your trust in Him. This is not a thing of if you're not a tither coming down on you, it takes a revelation. It's just God speaking and stirring your heart. He's knocking on the door. 
if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. Or maybe you've done this before, but you know you're not right with Him. And you want to get right. Why don't you just lift your hands. We'll pray together. And God will do the rest. He's a mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I believe, God, that you raised him from the dead. That he went to the cross. He suffered and died in my place. I receive eternal life. Holy Spirit, lead and guide me. Direct me to be a follower of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness. In Jesus' name. Every head still bowed. If today you say, I've heard the word today, but the Lord has not been Lord over my finances. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to believe God. Yes, I see those hands. Father, I thank you right now for those that are lifting their hands. And God, I thank you for your heart of compassion and love for each of them. Lord, reveal, make plain, make clear. Stir their hearts. Help them move forward. Help them take steps and move forward with this, Lord. Some feel like, Lord, there's just no way. But I thank you that you're the way maker. I thank you that you're the one. Lord, you gave the first fruits tithe to Adam and Eve. You supply. You supply what is needed to honor you. You give seed to the sower. Now, thank you for the promise and the provision of God. We give you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Prayer partners, come down. You need healing on your body? Just take it, whatever it is. Zach's going to come. I want you to share testimony. I'll be brief. I was told I was a little subdued earlier, but I want you to know how exciting this is. I want you to know how exciting this is. How many of you guys ever have lack of sleep when you have family in town? Okay. <laughs> I'm smiling this morning. The giving is huge. So I said earlier that we've always been givers, and that's true. But two months ago, and this is for a, a few of y'all, Two months ago, we had an extraordinary amount of bills come in, things that needed to be fixed in our new house, and then the IRS sent us a bill that we did not expect all at one time. And I'm here to confess to everybody here, as one of the elders in the house, that in October I did not do the right thing. And I reduced my first fruits. I cut it back. And this is how I rationalized it. And I know we're going over, but this is huge. I rationalized it by saying, God, 
let me pay off the debt and I'll pay you back. What did Pastor Bob say this morning? It's not up to us to redefine how God says to do things. And I went and I repented to Pastor Rob and I went and repented to Pastor Bob. It's the first time in my marriage that I've done that. And you know what happened over the, the, the next four to six weeks? We had a wreck. I had constant turmoil inside that I was disobeying God. I had no confidence in life or my business. And my business dropped by into a fourth of what I was doing previously. So I was bringing in a certain amount up here, but only a fourth of that came in over that six-week time period. It dropped that much, 75%. I'm saying this to let it sink in. Do you see what happened in my life? Guys, my testimony is that I know what it's like to live in the presence and the blessing of God continually for 14 years. And one time I wavered in faith because I looked at the problem rather than the solution. And I sinned. And two weeks ago, I was squirming in my chair because Pastor Bob was reminding me about why we do the first fruits. This isn't giving in order to get. That's not, it, this is giving because God put the system in place so that we would meet the conditions for his blessing. Do you Amen. see the difference for that? So guys, I want you to know, I know what it's like to live in the abundance of God, and now I can tell you, so nobody in this house can say, well, Zach could never identify with me. For six weeks, I understood the torment you go through, and some of you guys are going through, because you're not living in the promise of God. I repent of my sin in front of all of you, and I'm going to challenge you for another five minutes. If you need to get your kids, that's fine, but would you come down, and let's repent together, and let's do it the right way. Amen? Watch God give the increase. It's an exciting thing this morning. Thank you, Pastor Amen. Bob. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.